turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is Morgan. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe. We're first going to talk about negativity and hopelessness and losing faith uh, as we enter the holiday season. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. I just think that it's a really important lesson. Next, we're going to talk about fertility in men. It's dropping. It's dropped by 50% in modern times, and I am shocked and disturbed by it. We have to discuss this. And last, the mainstream media is now saying that Hunter Biden's laptop is real. The story's been real the whole time, and man, the timing is just great. So (laughs) we've got to break that one down and see what they are saying now. All right, let's get into it. But of course, before we talk about that first topic, you guys have all helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. Right now, MyPillow is offering exclusive offers on their bed sheets, their six-piece towel set, and even offering an extended 60-day money-back guarantee. The orders placed now through December 25th will have an extended money-back guarantee through March 1st. The Giza bed sheets are marked down as low as $29.99, and believe me when I say you will get a great night's sleep in these. Their six-piece towel set is made with USA cotton, Comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths, typically retailing for $89.98, but now just $39.98 with promo code MORGAN. There's limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-738-8374, use promo code MORGAN, or go to MyPillow.com and use my name, Morgan, as the code. Woo! Thank you, guys. Okay, so first topic of the day is more of just a little casual chat before we get into the more serious topics, I guess you could say. The Instagram post that I put out today was themed around how we're all so caught up in national politics that we forget the greatest change we can have is really at home, right? Our founders built this nation on a foundation of federalism and the decentralization of power, among other things, like separation and checks and balances and so much other great stuff. But at the end of the day, they were rooted in the concept that, geez, human history proves it. Humans are fallible. They uh, are flawed. They are sinful. They often fall for really tempting things that hurt others. And uh, you cannot change this fact about humans. It's human nature. And human nature is non-changing. So our founders looked at all of the mistakes made throughout human history in terms of the setting up the establishment of different governments. And then they said, here's what we can do in America with our newly formed government as we write this newly formed government to create a society that understands the facts about human nature and the unchanging ways of human nature and creates a society that can last through the struggles that humans often cause for each other. It's a crazy concept for a lot of people who think, wow, we could just legislate people into behaving well. We could just legislate people into sharing, aka socialism. They think that they're going to change human nature, but that's just never going to happen. So our system of checks and balances is something to be so grateful for. (laughs) Thanksgiving. It's something to be so grateful for because as we take blows, as we take hits as a nation from foreign forces or from internal domestic forces, we are able to 
last, instead of having this immediate violent overthrow of whoever's in power and then having that be how our our country is structured. I mean, if you look at all of the world around us, not just in the past, but today, there's revolutions, there's power grabs, there's coups, there are all of these violent things where people have to focus on staying safe and staying alive from year to year to year, from day to day. And yes, we are facing some serious problems in this country because every institution, all of the big leaders, the elites, the insiders, everything is being weaponized against us right now. But at the same time, we have to look back and reflect on the fact that, wow, versus any other situation that humans have experienced when they've been up against a negative force like this, a powerful dark force like this, we are in pretty good shoes to be in, right? I'd rather be us facing this than any other group of people that was up against an oppressive force. And that's because we have a greater fighting chance than any other groups in human history to actually turn this around. It's because our founders, again, built out an entire structure for us to follow. Now, we have definitely drifted from that, but that doesn't mean that the evaluations, the work that was done to create a successful path, it's not like that just disappeared, right? We have the Federalist and Anti-Federalist papers where our founders literally argued with each other in the papers that they wrote, over 85 of them as the Federalist side, and then you had more on the Anti-Federalist side. You had them writing back and forth with each other, debating and arguing as the founders of our nation over what would lead to the destruction of this country and how we could avoid it. You then had them breaking down every single aspect of our federal government. Why did they make certain choices? Why did they create a republic of multiple sovereign states versus creating one national government? Why did they do every single thing? Why did they create the certain branches? Why did they create the certain checks and balances? This is all explained to us. And so it's not like it's completely hopeless. And that's really the point of why I'm bringing this up on the podcast is I post a simple message on Instagram. Of course, it's just an Instagram reel. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to write a whole book for you guys in an Instagram post. But the point of it is that, hey, you know, we've got a lot of problems. But at the end of the day, we are still a constitutional republic rooted in decentralized power and federalism. And for that, we can be grateful and then find a solution and move forward. Our founders understood the fallibility of humans, of man, and they said, you know what we could do to help them manage crazy moments of crisis like this? We will give them the power that comes with decentralized forces throughout the nation. Now, part of the problem is that we have forgotten this, and so we've forgotten our role, our special roles in the keeping of this republic as individuals, as men, as women. I believe they are different, by the way. Want to slap me through the phone, any feminists watching this? But no matter who you are, you have a special role. You have a part in the keeping of this country as it is. And then on top of that, we have communities. We have, well, actually, no, we have family units, then communities, then local governments, then state governments, all within that federal government that we have created. We are supposed to check each other. And most importantly, we are supposed to check the federal government. So as we have these forces trying to weaponize big corporations against us, combined with the crony capitalist politicians that are in Washington, D.C., so all of the insiders, whether they're in politics or government or big business, they are working together to pick the winners and losers of our society right now. But the, fortunately, when they do something, it doesn't have a direct impact on us. And we can look to states like like Florida to really highlight that. Ron DeSantis can step in and say, absolutely not. Now, 
Are we fortunate enough to have Ron DeSantis at the state level of every state in this nation? No. And so our freedoms are not always protected. Our freedoms aren't always defended because we have leaders at the state and local level, at the community level, that have forgotten their special role in the keeping of the republic. So I I say this to you because there are so many individuals that have abandoned their roles or at least just have been quite dangerously complacent in not keeping up with their responsibilities that our founders intended. And so when we start to take more responsibility for those around us and for what's happening in our lives at a local level, we'll feel a lot more confident than what I'm seeing on social media. I cannot believe how many people were commenting on my thing being like, Morgan, it's not a constitutional republic anymore. It's an oligarchy. Morgan, we're doomed. The founders never intended for the fourth branch of government. How come you didn't bring that up? It's like, okay, well, then you clearly don't listen to my podcast because I bring up the fourth branch of government in every episode. It's a very, very complicated topic, but it's also basically one of the most important things that we need to be solving to fix the future of the country. So yes, it's very important, but for you to act like even though we have this fantastic foundation, this founding story, the trials and tribulations we've been through as a country and as people, We have all of this to stand on, and we are acting like we are, what, the poor people of Afghanistan who have absolutely nothing, who have absolutely no foundation or structure to try and protect or defend. They are just completely helpless against complete maniacs that are in charge. Can we just pause for the cause for a second, realize that there is still plenty of opportunity for us to really get our crap together here and move forward. It's almost like, I hate to say this, but it's almost like when we complain about other first world problems, we have so much to be grateful for. We can say multiple things can be true at the same time. Are we facing a very serious threat to the future of the Republic and to our God-given rights? Absolutely. But at the same time, we are still blessed to be able to be fighting against oppressors in this country versus in any other area of the world. Okay? I am so grateful for that. So that's one little thing to reflect on this Thanksgiving. Sorry to yell. I didn't mean it. (laughs) I totally meant it. Just kidding. Okay, let's move on because I love talking about sex and stuff. Let's talk about fertility in men. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh. I'm looking at a CNN headline right now. I know, I'm sorry, I picked CNN. It just was the one of the articles that actually popped up for this. But a study came out recently about fertility, and this CNN article talks about it. The headline, it's by Brenda Goodman. The headline is, Sperm Counts May Be Declining Globally Review Finds Adding to Debate Over Male Fertility. It says, over the past 50 years, this is shocking, you guys, okay. Over the past 50 years, human sperm counts appear to have fallen by more than 50 percent that is five zero fifty around the globe according to an updated review of medical literature if the findings are confirmed and the decline continues it could have important implications for human reproduction oh you don't say you don't say (laughs) sperm count declining by 50 percent it could have an impact if it keeps going like this (laughs) Researchers say it would also be a harbinger of declining health in men in general, since semen quality can be an important marker of overall health. The review and its conclusions have sparked a debate among experts in male fertility. Some say the findings are real and urgent. I would say so. But others say they are not convinced by the data because the methods of counting sperm have changed so much over time and it's not possible to compare historical and modern numbers. I feel like I'm being gaslit. By the WEF. 
by the World Economic Forum. (laughs) Nearly all experts agree that the issue needs more study. I think one of the fundamental factors of any species is reproduction. You don't say. So I think if there's a signal that reproduction is in decline, I think that's a very important finding. Thank you. Thank you so much, doctor. That was from Dr. Michael Eisenberg, a urologist with Stanford Medicine, who's not involved with the review. He says there is a strong link between a man's reproductive health and his overall health. So it could also speak to that too, but that maybe we're not as healthy as we once were. Others say that while the review is well done, they are skeptical about its conclusions. Overall, the researchers determined that sperm counts fell by slightly more than 1% per year between 1973 and 2018. The study concluded that globally, the average sperm count had fallen 52% by 2018. Oh my Atlanta. On a population level, the average sperm count dropped from 104 million to 49 million per milliliter from 1973 through 2019. Normal sperm counts are considered to be over 40 million per millimeter. So, wow, oh my gosh. So the average was 104 million and now it's dropped over the last 50 years to 40 million, 49 million, and then the normal level is considered 40 million. So we're at 49 million now. Normal is anything over 40 million, but we're also dropping at over 1% of that amount every single year. I'm highly concerned. (laughs) Okay, let's see what the article says. It says, causes of the decline are unknown. The study authors say they didn't have enough data from different regions to be able to tell whether some countries had lower average sperm counts than others and whether sperm counts were declining faster in certain areas. Data from 53 countries was included in the review. The authors didn't look at what might be causing the decline. It should be studied. (laughs) Should it? Thank you, sir. In other research, Levine says he and others teased about some factors that are associated with lower sperm counts. Damage to reproductive health may begin in the womb. We know that the stress of the mother, maternal smoking, and especially exposure to man-made chemicals that are in plastic, such as phthalates, disrupt the development of the male reproductive system. Oh my gosh, Morgan Zeggers, you're a genius. Morgan Zeggers, the girl that does an entire episode on what's in a fake-scented candle— that girl, me, um, I'm pretty excited about this one. I mean, I shouldn't say excited. I am pretty thrilled to see this finally being reported on. I'll say that because I am called a kooky lady for caring about the fact that there's nasty chemicals in things that are filled with artificial fragrance, like the yummy smelling fall candles, that if a pregnant woman is breathing in, can affect her child. I mean, imagine. So to break this down, if you haven't listened to my episode about the candles and all of the other products, there are artificial fragrances in a lot of the products that we use every day, from makeup to perfume to candles to air fresheners to other certain sprays. And inside of those artificial fragrances, it's often synthetic estrogen. So Consider what could happen if you introduce a dangerous amount of synthetic estrogen to a young male's body, especially a young male developing his first cells inside of his mother's womb, because it will go through his mother, through the placenta, and into him as he's developing his body. Just get a little creative with what might happen there. 
So we're seeing that problem. And then as well, you guys, it's not healthy at all for women either to have an abnormal amount of estrogen introduced to her system. I know some people are like, well, it's estrogen. Women should get that. It'll make them more feminine or something, right? Absolutely not. That is not the case. We need well-balanced hormones as well. And so it's throwing both men and women, boys and girls off, but people don't consider the fact that this is happening from a very young age. And so these are not just found in fun-smelling candles. I, I want to repeat that. But the bottom line is they are all around us. Like when I used to... <laughs> I don't really shop there anymore because it's kind of sketchy of a business, but I used to go through Victoria's Secret to get like underwear and stuff. And I will hold my breath in a store like that because the entire store smells like synthetic estrogen artificial fragrances, you guys. And I care too much about the health of my future son. Come on. I can't even breathe. I'm all feisty about this one. But do you see how, again, it's it's everywhere. You have to guard yourself. And this goes for what you're consuming in your food, what you're drinking in your water, what you're putting on your skin. Ladies, oh my gosh, I have been testing all of these um, chemical-free makeup options because I looked and the study is crazy. You put about 300 chemicals on your skin every single day if you're a woman with all your skincare products, all your beauty products, all that stuff. I recently just made a big switch what is it? Um, I've always kind of had like bumpy skin or just like little like rough skin or like little bumps on my forehead and stuff. And it was just something I could never fix. And then I started doing the Beekman 1802 goat milk stuff instead of the classic face washes and lotions and all the usual stuff that's marketed to women because it's, I don't even, I'm going to explain this very badly, but it's basically like a natural solution. It's also made in upstate New York. It's a natural solution using goat milk that is just cooler than anything I've ever seen before. So it actually works really well, and it's been a great health adjustment. But I've been trying to replace everything in my life with healthier options. I also am not going anywhere near processed food or anything that has chemicals that I know nothing about. So basically just eating whole foods and avoiding the seed oils. <laughs> um, but that's another topic for another day. The bottom line is you need to be watching everything you're doing, especially if you're a young woman that wants to have babies one day, okay? And same thing with men, because now we're seeing that it's affecting men's sperm counts. I really, I don't know how to say this. I am not really in the business of trying to convince people that they should care. You know what I mean? Like, if you can see these kind of studies, and if you can see the decline of human health throughout the last handful of decades as these chemicals and as these processed foods that are, they're not actually food. It's literally just a mixture of chemicals that look like food that you can consume. And yes, they kind of taste good. To me, they don't taste very good anymore because they just taste kind of fake. But if you can look at all this stuff and the introduction of these dangerous things into our systems and not feel a little skeptical and say, geez, maybe I should be making changes. Maybe I should get more back to our primal roots. Then it's like, okay, well then that's just not your cup of tea. And if that's not your cup of tea, then I really don't think I'm going to be able to ever change your mind. Because to me, I'm more focused on there's going to be a, a minority of people that see this information and want to make active changes in their life. That's what I'm kind of focused on. I could go on a rant about this, but I'm going to stop. Bottom line is if you're serious about having babies, you better stop consuming toxic things that will affect your babies in the future. Okay, come on. And on top of that, too, it's like we should care about what we consume, but we should also work to be physically fit. We should be outside more. We should allow the sun to touch our skin and keep us happy, keep us healthy, because vitamin D alone is just so good for you. The fact that they told you to stay inside during COVID, don't even get me started on that. That could have saved people, I believe. And then on top of that, it's like, wait, the world tells us certain things are ha healthy and good for us. 
and the numbers say the opposite. Okay, so maybe we should do the exact opposite of whatever the world, whatever society is telling us to to do or to embrace. I think that wholesomeness and living naturally and living with discipline will lead to long-term joy and health, not constantly chasing immediate self-satisfaction and pleasure, whether that is via eating a quick processed cupcake from Walmart or embracing things like hookup culture, etc. You know what I mean? This is like a scaled kind of thing. Let's go on. Hunter Biden's laptop story is next. Oh boy. So you guys, I don't know if you've noticed this on the mainstream media. If you ever tune into them, sometimes I watch them just to see what they're up to. But this is all over the place, okay? They, all of the usual networks, the three-letter networks, They are reporting on the Hunter Biden laptop story as if it's like a new phenomenon that they've just discovered. And it really does show how deep into the matrix we are. The fact that we've been talking about this for years and now all of a sudden they think that we are stupid enough to just be told that this is a breaking story. Now, what's the problem here? (laughs) So many people in America are, I hate to say it, silly enough to actually fall for that like they they really had no idea they totally believed that the laptop was a lie or they had no idea about it at all and now they're just learning about it because the mainstream media is deciding oh it's time to tell the people about this and it's time to twist this into our narrative and uh they had no idea and so half of us have known about this for years the other who knows how many are going oh my gosh, this is shocking information. And that's a good explanation of American politics today. But I found a really cool thing because I'm going to show you a video of what they're reporting now, but I want to just do a little throwback to how they used to report on it, okay? PBS NewsHour's headline said, are Trump allies peddling Russian disinformation about the Bidens? This was just a couple weeks before the presidential election in 2020. Same thing from Politico. Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former intel officials say. More than 50 former intelligence officials signed a letter casting doubt on the provenance of a New York Post story on the former vice president's son. What about the New York Times? They said, what we know and don't know about Hunter Biden and a laptop. President Trump's allies have prompted claims of corruption aimed at the former vice president's son in an effort to damage the Biden campaign. What about the Huffington Post? HuffPost said more than 50 former Intel officials say Hunter Biden's smear smells like Russia. Quote, if we are right, the group wrote in a letter, this is Russia trying to influence how Americans vote. What about the Daily Beast? Daily Beast said Hunter Biden email story has all the hallmarks of a Russian campaign, 50 senior U.S. Intel officers say. CBS, October 16th, 2020, they said what we know and don't know about the Hunter Biden alleged laptop. What about NPR? October 14th, 2020, Facebook and Twitter limit sharing New York Post story about Joe Biden. That's right, you guys. Social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook made it impossible to share the story. They banned the story about Hunter Biden's laptop right before the election. (sighs) What about the Hill? 50 former intelligence officials warned New York Post story sounds like Russian disinformation. That was October 20th, 2020. These were all a few weeks couple weeks before the presidential election. So that was what they used to say. And what we learned pretty much just a handful of months ago, this year in 2022, we learned that the FBI helped to spread disinformation about the laptop. That's right. And I believe it was when maybe Zuckerberg, 
I might be wrong on this, but Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook, somebody from big tech was at a hearing in Congress and he kind of let it slip. And eventually it became exposed that the FBI was warning social media giants that like, hey, you know, this there's going to be a story coming out soon about this laptop. But don't worry, we're getting a lot of Russian disinformation right now. They're trying to distract our democracy. So we just wanted to warn you so that you could be properly prepared. Just keep a heads up and help us out, you know, help us save democracy. So it turns out the FBI was involved. Now, after that, the presidential election of 2020 happened. Trump lost. And a poll was done a little bit after that election, and it asked voters who voted for Joe Biden, would they have voted for Joe Biden had they known about a little thing called Hunter Biden's laptop? These people had no idea what that was, but they had voted for Joe Biden. And then they said about 16% of them would not have voted for Joe Biden. They either wouldn't have voted or they would have voted for Donald Trump had they known about the Hunter Biden laptop that the FBI big tech social media platforms, and the mainstream media all denied, and not only that, told the American people was Russian propaganda. 16% of them would have changed their vote. You guys, that would have changed the results of the presidential election. That is a fact. So now that we know this, first of all, let's, let's give a little shout out to Senator Ron Johnson, who asked about this, the FBI connection to the laptop. Let's watch that first. One of the whistleblowers to my committee has stated that uh, the FBI was no longer going to interfere in an election, something to that effect. I can't find it right now, and I'm running out of time. Oh, here it is. The FBI is, quote, not going to change the outcome of the election again. Well, the FBI certainly tried to by leaking, or somebody within the, somebody leaked that FBI briefing. Are you going to investigate that? Because that is the election interference. And let's face it, this letter by 51 intelligence officials, this interfered in the 2020 election to a far greater extent than anything Russia or China ever could have hoped to accomplish. You have to acknowledge that. It has to be investigated. I have no faith that you will do so. All right. So that was that hearing between the FBI and senators on Capitol Hill. Now let's flash forward to modern times today. A couple days ago when CBS decided to officially cover the laptop story, and I'm going to play the whole thing because I want you guys to be able to see this. We have all known about this for years, but this is how they're covering it now. And as Republicans take control of the House, Hunter Biden, the president's son, will be a target for investigations. And that means data from a laptop reported to belong to Biden could be crucial to the investigatory process. CBS News has obtained its data not through a third party or political operative, but directly from the source who told us they provided it to the FBI under subpoena. And we commissioned an independent forensic review to determine its authenticity. Senior investigative correspondent Catherine Harris joins us now with what we found. Catherine, I'm very interested. Good morning. Good morning, Tony. These House Republican investigations are coming, and that could be a challenge for the White House as we head into 2023 and 2024. The laptop data we had analyzed showed no evidence it was faked or tampered with. Digital forensic investigator Mark Lanterman was previously a member of a Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force. There was one thing that got my attention, and that was a voicemail. It's dad. I called and told you I love you. I love you more than the whole world, pal. 
Can I get some help? That voicemail, apparently from Joe Biden during his son Hunter's drug addiction, is one of many findings Lanterman used to authenticate what is believed to be Hunter Biden's laptop data. You're confident based on your analysis this is Hunter Biden's data and that it's real? Yes. This Delaware computer shop is where the laptop's backstory begins. Their records indicate in April 2019, Hunter Biden took his laptop in for repair, but never paid. After 90 days, the store considered it abandoned. Then in December 2019, the FBI subpoenaed the store's owner to turn over the computer and a portable drive of its data. Whatever happened to Hunter? During the 2020 election, versions were widely shared by Republican operatives, including Rudy Giuliani. We have the entire hard drive. But questions were raised about whether additional files were added to those versions. Then-candidate Biden labeled the laptop controversy disinformation. What this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. CBS News approached the lawyer for the computer repair shop owner to cut through the noise. We've always had uh, one clean copy. And obtained a copy of what he says they provided the FBI under subpoena. Then we went to Minneapolis for an independent analysis. Were you paid by CBS or anyone else to analyze the data? No. No. I wouldn't want anyone to think that someone bought our opinion. Around the corner, it'll lead you to what we call our imaging room. Lanterman and his son, Sean, both digital forensic experts, recovered images of credit cards, a driver's license, social security number. Just the sheer volume of what we're dealing with, it would be difficult, uh, if not impossible, to fabricate. And explained how files built up over years. It accumulated over time, which is consistent with normal, everyday use of a computer. There's some reporting about folders being added. We have read these um, articles. We don't see that. So I believe that that's because we have a more pristine copy. The laptop and its contents have fueled Republican interest in Hunter Biden's business ventures. Hunter Biden was working with Chinese nationals. They say this May 2017 email outlining a proposed business deal with a Chinese energy firm is one reason why they have questions about whether President Biden benefited. We're prepared to subpoena Hunter Biden. We would certainly hope that he would want to come before the committee and clear his name. Two of Hunter Biden's former business partners, including Tony Bobolinsky, who received the email, told CBS News the 10 held by H for the big guy is shorthand for 10 percent held by Hunter for his father. After the email became public in 2020, the author of the email told The Wall Street Journal Joe Biden was not involved. The author has not responded to CBS News's questions. Mr. Biden has consistently denied knowledge of his son's work or financially benefiting from it. I've never spoken to my son about drugs. Last month, Senator Chuck Grassley wrote this letter alleging bank records and financial data showed that Hunter Biden and the president's brother profited from a $5 million wire from a company connected to CEFC, the Chinese energy firm. They're going to look at every part of the Joe Biden administration. Doug High is a Republican strategist. A lot of this is also going to be aggressive on Hunter specifically. We're going to hear a lot about the laptop. Who profited? Was the law broken? Was it not broken? After two years of scrutiny, the laptop has not produced evidence President Biden directly benefited from his son's business deals. If there's dirt there, that will dirty him up. If not, those attacks can backfire.
The White House declined to comment. Hunter's lawyer did not address our specific questions about the data or the CBS forensic review, but said there have been multiple attempts to hack, infect, distort and peddle misinformation regarding Mr. Biden's devices and data. And at no time did any individual, including the IT repair shop owner, Mr. McIsaac, have Mr. Biden's consent to access his computer data or share it with others. The lawyer also referred us to Hunter Biden's memoir, where the president's son slammed the despicable opposition that purported to have a laptop belonging to him. Okay, so what's the significance of the mainstream media and all of those forces that are usually against us all of a sudden changing their tune and covering a story about Joe Biden? It's simple, you guys. The establishment, the elites, the people on the inside, they have used up Joe Biden. They've used him for his purpose. He's no longer needed. They are ready to move on. He is a liability for 2024, potentially. And they are trying to set up the narrative now that it's okay to get rid of him. And so uh, that's a very basic concept, right? They are now done using him and they are moving on. They just need to make him seem as bad as possible, even though they totally defended him for the last handful of years. They are going to completely switch shamelessly. So my little guess is like, what if they then went the next step, which would probably be talking about Ashley Biden's diary, Ashley Biden's diary that shared a lot of really nasty information. Here's Tucker talking about it. So here once again, are the words from Ashley Biden's diary. Quote, I've always been boy crazy, she wrote, hypersexualized at a young age. I remember somewhat being sexualized with a family member. I remember having sex with friends at a young age. Showers with my dad, probably not appropriate. So Ashley Biden wrote this in the context of her struggle with sexual compulsiveness in later life. And she attributes those compulsions to the fact that her father took showers with her in a way that was, quote, not appropriate. Now, we have no reason to doubt that what she wrote is true. She did not write this for public consumption. She wrote it in a diary that, as you just heard, she accidentally left behind in a halfway house in Palm Beach, Florida, in June of 2020, during the presidential race. The woman who took the room that she left, a single mother, found that diary under the bed. Now, if you are the father of daughters, ask yourself, is there any explanation for that behavior that is justifiable. And there's not. It's sick and it's horrifying. Now, Ashley Biden doesn't say how old she was at the time she showered with her father, but obviously she was old enough to remember doing it. And by the way, little kids don't take showers, they take baths. Inappropriate showering with your own daughter? If that's not child molestation, it is definitely close enough to justify a police visit. But the police have not visited Joe Biden. They're not investigating this. Instead, the FBI is breaking to the homes of journalists who brought it to public attention. And now, according to the Daily Mail, again, you just heard this, the feds are investigating a woman called Amy Harris, who had the misfortune of finding the diary. To be clear, none of these people committed crimes, certainly not federal crimes, and yet they are being harassed. And Biden should explain immediately why he inappropriately showered with his own daughter. Okay, and then here's another later piece from Tucker on the fact that Biden is using the FBI to try and shut the diary story down. Two big points to take away from this. The first is Joe Biden should not be running this country. No one who has run his own family in this way should be in charge of anybody else. His behavior as a father is truly dark, even by modern standards. Biden should explain immediately why he inappropriately showered with his own daughter. He should be asked that at his next press availability. His chief of staff, Ron Klain, who runs the country, should be asked, you work for a man 
who showered with his own daughter and by her own account distorted the rest of her life because he did. How do you feel about that? And at that point, Joe Biden should resign and at the very least spend the rest of his life trying to repair his own children who need it badly. And the second point to make is that Biden is using the FBI as his personal secret police, dispatching them forward to crush and intimidate and prosecute people who get in his way or his family's way. Maybe that's not surprising from a guy who spent his entire life living off taxpayers. He believes he owns the Department of Justice, but he doesn't. And the fact he's behaving as if he does is scary as hell. We cannot let the FBI become enforcers for politicians and their families. If we allow that, it's the end of everything. Harmeet Dillon is managing partner of the Dillon Law Group. She represents Project Veritas in this case. She joins us tonight. Harmeet, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Tucker. So we spoke about this when it initially happened, but it's ever more clear that Project Veritas and, and the woman who sold the diary committed no crime, certainly no federal crime, and that Joe Biden is using the FBI as his personal secret police, and no one is saying anything about it. Absolutely right, Tucker. And when you look at the search warrants that were served on our clients and executed, each of the four claims involves the word stolen, possession of stolen property, uh, conspiracy to transport stolen property across state lines and so on. All stolen, 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 stolen. But guess what? All along, as we said, and now as the press is reporting independently, nothing was stolen in this case. And so that begs the question, how did the FBI get search warrants? How did multiple judges, by the way, sign off on search warrants, not just for the property that they seized, but for months beforehand, emails, 200,000 of them? And the answer is somebody must have lied to a gullible or willing FBI who then passed on those lies to federal judges. Uh, who are those people? Almost certainly members of the Biden family and their legal representatives. And so once we finally shut down this abusive uh, investigation, get our property back and see what was in those search warrants, which, by the way, the ACLU and Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press have filed applications for, then there needs to be a criminal investigation into the lies told to our federal law enforcement and get to the bottom of that. And that is relevant to how the Biden administration is weaponizing the DOJ and how powerful lawyers in New York City were able to call up the DOJ and simply run roughshod over the protections of the First Amendment the Privacy Protection Act, DOJ regulations, and common law protecting journalists. Tucker, as you pointed out, so what if the property was stolen? From the beginning of this case, the DOJ knows that it is perfectly legal for journalists like James O'Keefe from Project Veritas to run with stolen property and publish it. It's protected by the United States Constitution and the United States Supreme Court. So this should never happen again to any journalist of any political persuasion, Tucker. No, of course not. And I'm, I'm waiting for the first brave reporter to ask the question that must be asked to Joe Biden, which is, why did you shower with your daughter in a way she described as not appropriate, in a way that she believes made her sexually compulsive in later life? Why don't you explain what that means? I think we have a right to know. Harmeet Dillon, I appreciate all the work you do. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tucker. Okay, so to me, it just makes sense that if they are really trying to smear Joe Biden out of the political path that he's currently on so that they can clear the way for the next person that they want to prop up, then yeah, maybe we are going to see them try and cover the Ashley Biden diary story and maybe like me to it or something like that. Who knows? I honestly would not be shocked if they did this. 
my bar for them is so low. <laughs> okay, so you guys, uh, Thanksgiving is next. We're still going to put out an episode on Friday, but I hope you guys enjoy the holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. Remember what I said earlier about gratitude for the situation that we are in. Definitely, definitely facing some problems, but we should not feel hopeless, okay? We should not lose our faith. I hope you guys have a nice holiday. Thanks for listening. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe. Bye-bye.